many of you have told us that this series right here, My Bad Church Experience, has been helpful, and uh, we're glad for that and uh, thankful for that, and hopefully it gives you, um, you know, words to, to share with people when you're talking to people, and they've got, uh, you know, a really uh, bleak, grim, brutal church experience, and you can reference this series, and you can point them to it, and uh, even if they haven't been here, all the sermons are, on, on, are online, hello online, thanks for watching. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know if I told you or not, but a couple of weeks ago, I led a lady to the Lord who's been watching our services online and led her through, through email. We were corresponding and she came to Christ. And uh, it, was, it was the morning where I had the, the flip chart out here and I wrote um, explorers at the bottom. And she said, I've been watching for a long time, but I think I'm still just an explorer. How do I, how do I make that next step? I'm <laughs> like, you know? And uh, so anyhow, and I prayed with her, uh, uh, you know, typed her out a prayer and said that. Anyhow, it was awesome, really, really cool. Um, yeah. So um, we're just a bunch of average people doing our best, making mistakes sometimes. Uh, we're not perfect, but we're loving. And uh, we're, we're not judgmental but doing our best to follow God's word and to help others see Jesus clearly. So we're going to end the series today with a doozy. Got your seatbelts on, chin straps, you ready? With a doozy, and this might be the number one reason why people have had a bad church experience. And when you invite someone to church or you're talking about church or you're sharing, you know, just, just your God story with people and what God's doing in your lives, this could be the number one reason why people start stacking bricks or counting lights or shutting you down or they're not interested, been there, done that, no thanks, not going. And they might say something like this, the church just wants my money. Have you ever heard somebody say this? <laughs> See? But you can just feel that resonate around, like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The church just wants my money, or all they talk about is money. True story, I almost forgot to take the offering again this morning. True story. Um, that's how, you know, worried I am about that. But anyhow, if you've ever heard, you know, many of you have heard somebody say this, that the church just wants my money. And let me say this morning, if you, if you have ever felt pressured by Moncton Wesleyan to, to give. If you've ever felt like the church just wants your money, I am sorry. And I'm sorry. And I apologize. And I'm the, the pastor of this church. And I stand out here and, and I would say, I am sorry if you have ever felt that way. That's not our goal. And I hope you leave here today uh, seeing the church differently. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great if we could resolve some of that stuff and you just walk out of here feeling like, wow, like, that was helpful, and I feel different, and I see things differently, and wow, did I ever, did I ever need that? That was really helpful. Um, instead of thinking, I'd like for you to leave here today, instead of thinking the church just wants my money, I hope you leave here today saying, God just wants my heart. God just wants my heart. So I'm going to talk about why this, why this is an issue, what our understanding of money should be, and, and if all you hear this morning is ka-ching, 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 money, 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 if that's all you hear, that might be a heart issue, okay? You might have to talk to God about that. So I would say this morning, on the front end, like if you're already clenching your teeth, you know, like if you're already putting your fingerprints into those armrests in the chair, um, you know, if you're already doing that, that might be a heart issue, 
And I would just ask you on the front end of this to ask God to open your heart to, uh, to help you, just to hear, hear, hear clearly this morning. Um, so I brought uh, The Blessed Life. Uh, this is the best book that I've ever read on this subject. And we still, we've given away uh, probably a couple thousand of these at least. And we've got some left. And they're at the information booth um, out in the atrium. And they are first come, first serve, don't run now. But they're free because we wouldn't charge you for a book about, uh, about uh, you know, godly principles on, on money. But The Blessed Life, I would give you this one, but it's all highlighted and it's got my notes in it and I, and I need it. Um, but those are available out there in the, in, at the information desk after the service. A little over three years ago, our family moved back to Moncton to do, I had already, I had served on staff here once before from 2000 to 2005. And a little over three years ago, we came back to do the transition with my good friend and mentor, Pastor Buckingham. And Pastor B led this church uh, with excellence for 44 years. He came to Moncton in the summer of 69. I came to Planet Earth in the summer of 69, and Brian Adams wrote a song about us. <laughs> about us, all right? And, and we were talking about this one day and comparing notes about this, and and I was born on Sunday, July the 13th, in, in, in all likelihood, his first Sunday at Moncton Wesleyan Church would have been Sunday, July 13th, 1969. So we both got our start uh, on, the same, on the same day. Kind of cool. You're not interested. You don't care. Okay. Um, <laughs> we think it's cool, the two of us. Pastor B and I worked together for a year, and then he left me. And, and I'm not bitter about that. And uh, we worked together for a year. And then, if you're following this, so that would be, you know, I started in July. We worked together till June. And then in the winter and the spring of my second year here, are you, are you with me? You following that? In the winter and the spring of my second year here, um, we, this church, we were pushing hard to, to make it, to, uh, to, to make budget financially. We were, we were pushing really, really hard. And we did not want to, in the transition, we didn't want to go behind. We didn't want to dig a big hole. We didn't want to, you know, back up and all, all that stuff. Like, we were pushing really, really hard. And the combination of the pastoral transition, that one, and our Christmas production transition, anybody remember that? Those two things together you know, were, 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 were setbacks. I mean, they just, they just were. You, you can't say it any other way. And so we were coming to you for help. I was coming to you for help in that season, like literally every single week, um, trying to, it's our church, we're all in this together. We don't, we don't there's not like some big, um, big funnel of money that gets pumped into here from our head office in Indianapolis. The, the opposite is true. We have to, as a church, we have to give uh, to the district and to the denomination. So we don't, it's not like we're, you know, sitting on a mountain of cash or something like that. So at the same time, and that winter and spring, at the same time as we're trying to make budget because our year end is April 30th, um, in February, March, and April, many new families started to check out our church. New families were coming through the door every single week. And unfortunately, some of them, all they heard was, Ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Need, 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 
money, money, money. That's, that's all that they heard. And maybe some of you who are here know some of the folks who tried Moncton Wesleyan in that season, and they just said, no, you know, no thanks. Uh, I don't need that, and, uh, and I'm going to stay home and bath my cat. So if you know some people like that, reach, reach out to them again. Uh, we want people to have a better church experience than that. And no matter how big your church is, it hurts when you see people leave. I hate uh, to see people leave uh, this church. I, I want everyone to, to stay here and have a great church experience. And uh, no matter how big this thing gets, it always, you know, hurts when you see folks leave. <laughs> Thanks, Shirley. Thanks, Shirley. All right. You, you clap. I'll drink. You stop clapping. Okay. We don't give to keep the lights on. We give as an act of worship, and then we use what is given to help us accomplish our God-given vision. And obviously, some of it has to go to help keep the lights on. And snow removal. And snow removal. You got to remove snow here till June, right? Some of you are going to leave the church because I talked about snow, not about you don't care about money. It's like you use that word one more time, I'm out of here. All right. Um, so ultimately, we need we need to see this as more than a facility to manage. We need to see this. We are people on a mission. Okay, we we got this is much more than a facility to manage. We're people on a mission. We're here. Because we believe that God sent his son to die on a cross for us, for our sins, and we want to be discipled, and we want to grow in our faith, and we want to lead thousands of others to experience and follow Jesus Christ with their lives. That's why we're here. The containers, the, the facility is just a container for revival. That's all it is. The, 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 this is a box. It's a box for revival. That's what it's for. And it gives us a central place to meet and a central place to worship. But it's not about the facility. It's about Jesus. One of the things we say here at Moncton Wesleyan that's it's kind of cute and happy and it might make you want to gag. But, but we say it because I believe it and I believe it to be true. And, and whenever I say this, it involves trust on your part and you have to trust me. And I wouldn't go to a church where I didn't trust the pastor. Like, that just makes sense, I think. Does to me, anyhow. And this is it. That giving isn't about what we want from you. It's what we want for you. And it's just, it's just, it's kind of cutesy. And it's kind of, you know, a little play on words. And you can, oh, yeah, okay, right, right, right. Sure, it's all about that. It's about keeping the lights on. It's not about what we want from you. It's about what we want for you. And there are people here this morning who would like to come unglued right now. They would like to run laps around the church. They would like to dance. They would like to take the microphone and tell you their story of how God has proven this to be true in their lives time and time and time again. That when, when, they, when, they, when they figure this out, when they got this, when they started practicing this, they realize, wow, it's really true. It's not about what the church wants from me. It's what they want for me because they want all of, uh, all of God's best to be true in my life. Jesus said a lot about giving. 
Paul wrote a lot about giving and money. The Gospels have a lot to say about giving and our money. There are hundreds and hundreds of verses throughout uh, the Bible that speak about money and stewardship. It's okay for you to have money. It's not okay for money to have you. It's okay for you to have money. It's not okay for money to have you. Money is more test than treasure. It's more test than treasure. And the church has to teach about it. Not for the church's needs, but for yours. It's an important topic for sure, one that we can't avoid. And I can understand, I can understand people uh, who show up at a church, if you show up in a, in a season of need, if you show up during a, a campaign, like if we go on a campaign to pay off the debt on this, on this box, uh, that we have here uh, or something like that. I can, I can understand people coming into a season like that and feeling like it's ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Is that all they ever talk about around there? And, uh, and uh, you know, it's understandable. So to counter, to counter the bad church experience that some have had with the church putting too much emphasis on money, I'm going to preach on money. <laughs> How are we doing now? And the last thing I want to do is offend someone. I'm not here to offend. I'm here to help. I don't, I'm not trying to offend anyone. I want to shine light on this and, uh, and help us understand this. And uh, in my prayer this morning, I've already prayed this prayer several times today, is that you would see Jesus. I don't want you to see me. I don't even want you to hear my words. I just want the Holy Spirit to, to shine the light of God's truth into your heart and your life and that you leave here today feeling like you've seen Jesus Christ clearer than you ever have before. So that's my goal. Are we okay? Are we okay? All right. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. Matthew 6, verse 19. We'll throw it up here on the screen for you. We're, this is Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And he says this, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy. Apparently there are no moths in heaven. So there you go. That's good news. Hopefully no mosquitoes either. And rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. When your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, if you're being deceived, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters. For you will have one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That is why I tell you, not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you more, far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying what we eat, what we drink, what we wear. 
These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Treasure in first century Palestine was often precious metals or fine linens from around the world. That's why Jesus says don't put so much value into something that will either rust or it'll rot or a moth will come in and just eat it on you anyhow. Something that either erodes from humidity or gets eaten by flying insects. Don't get, he says, don't get too worked up about moth food. You can't stop rust. In fact, the whole parking lot at Moncton Wesleyan is rusting right now. When you leave after Sunday mornings, we go out and sweep up all the rust and uh, get it out of there so people don't know. I know what your car is doing right now, depreciating. <laughs> right now as we speak, it's, it's depreciating. And so in this culture, uh, people would, would save their money and then they would buy an expensive, you know, decorative piece of precious metal or they would uh, buy the finest cloth and material or clothing that they could possibly buy. And then they would put these things in prominent places of their, of their homes so that people would know where their money was. People would, would, would have some sense of their wealth and uh, people would know, wow, they must be doing really good. Look what they've purchased. Look what they're wearing. Look how they're investing their money into these things. And Jesus says they're just investing their money into stuff that somebody else, somebody else is going to see that on that table or in that window. They're just going to break in in the night and steal it anyhow. And whatever doesn't get stolen is going to be devoured either by humidity or by bugs. I have, I have something, I, I call this reverse wealth syndrome. I love telling people how little we paid for something. I've got, I've got reverse wealth syndrome. Like, I, I'm doing it all the time. Someone will say, nice shirt. And I'll say, I got this, I got this Burlington coat for like eight bucks. You know, like, maybe not this one. I'm, this, one's, this one's so old, I don't know what I paid for it. I've got, I got reverse wealth syndrome. Or we'll often say, we got this in a yard sale. Or uh, we got this off Kijiji, you know. You know, half our house is probably, you know, made out of stuff on Kijiji. Or we found this on the side of the road. I, there's probably stuff in our house that I can, I can show you. We found this on the side of the road. Uh, you remember when uh, we used to be able to, to cruise the spring cleanup? Anybody, anybody cruise the spring cleanup? Not afraid to say, not ashamed to say I, you were one of those people and, uh, you know, put the kids in the car in their pajamas and go driving around and see, and see what, you know, one person's junk is someone else's, yeah, like we probably have stuff, I, I, why am I saying probably? I know we've got stuff in our house and now they took that away from us. It, it, does Riverview still do it? Other communities? It's just Moncton. Bring it back, Moncton. Come on, bring it back. Anyhow, we used to do that. We used to do that. Jesus says, don't store down, store up. Don't store down, store up. And Jesus says that this is a hard issue. Not, this is not the church saying this. This is not Moncton Wesleyan saying this. This is not Tim Guptill. Jesus says that this is a hard issue. Whatever you store down stays down. And when you store up, you grow up. When you store down, whatever you store down, it stays, it's staying down. It ain't going up. 
But when you store up treasures in heaven, when you store up, you grow up because you're being more like Jesus. Another time when Jesus was trying to help people understand this principle was in Luke chapter 12. And when someone in the crowd kind of kind of called out and said, hey, Jesus, tell my brother to, to split uh, our father's estate with me. He needs to give me my share of our father's estate. Jesus responded with this. It's verse 15 of Luke chapter 12. Jesus replied to him and said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Wow. Life is not measured by how much you own. But we do that all the time, don't we? We look at other people's, other people's stuff, and we measure them by, by what they have. And we, we keep pretty close tabs of what the neighbors are doing and what our friends are doing and what, and what they're, they're buying. You've heard me say this before, but if you want to drive your neighbors nuts, dumpster dive at Best Buy. Get the biggest boxes you can find. Put one out every week. Put one out every week. Great big, great big. Drive them nuts. They'll wonder what's going on in your house. Then in Luke chapter 12, the same, same text, right after Jesus says, life is not measured by how much you own, he goes on and shares a, a parable with them, a story about a successful farmer who has more uh, crop than he knows what to do with. And so he just keeps building bigger and bigger burns. And, and, and we would applaud the successful farmer in our day and age. We would say, wow, dude, like, like you're killing it. Like, wow, like that is, that is really impressive. You, you are, you're the best, man. You're, you're, good job. We would applaud. He's worked hard. He's a shrewd businessman. But in this parable, Jesus calls the enterprising farmer a fool for building bigger barns. And, and Jesus says that, that anyone who is rich in this life but does not have a rich relationship with God is only fooling themselves. That's the point of that story in Luke chapter 12. And he says, you build bigger, build, 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 build. build. If, if that's all you're doing, storing up your treasure in earth, if you're, if you're rich on earth, but you don't have a rich relationship with God, it's, it's folly. And he says, you're foolish. They're missing the whole point. You see, rich isn't an accumulation of wealth. Now, that's, that's counterculture. Like, you really got to wrap your head around that this morning. Rich isn't an accumulation of wealth. It's actually really good news for most of us in the room this morning. Like, oh, that's great. That's good to hear. That's not how Jesus defines rich. So how does he define it? What are treasures in heaven? How do you deposit valuables into heaven's treasury? I'm glad you asked. In Matthew chapter 19, a young man with considerable wealth approached Jesus, and he asked him, he said, teacher, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And their discussion led them to the point where Jesus finally says to this, this wealthy young man, he says, um, the way to store up treasure in heaven, if you really want to store up treasure in heaven, go home and kajiji everything. Go cash out. Sell it all. Completely cash out all of your valuables. And then take the proceeds of all of your stuff and give it away to the, to the poor. And then Jesus says, come and follow me. And the young guy went away sad because he couldn't do it. Because his, his stuff meant more to him in Jesus. His stuff 
had a, had a higher place of value in his life than Jesus. We could define it this way. Treasures on earth are things you do for yourself. But Jesus says treasures in heaven are things you do for others. He says if you want to store up treasures in heaven, Jesus told the young wealthy man in Matthew 19, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, do it for others, and then come and follow me. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus said, whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. You're storing up treasures in heaven. When you pour out yourself for others, you store up treasures in heaven. When you pour out your life, all that you have, yourself for others, you store up treasures in heaven. So rich isn't an accumulation of wealth. It's a transformation of heart. Rich is a transformation of heart. Let's read verse 21. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Jesus says, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So your valuables reveal your values. Your valuables reveal your values. There's a huge difference between thinking the church just wants my money. They want, they want a piece of me. They want, they want some of my valuables. There's a huge difference between thinking that way and then thinking God just wants my heart. God just wants my heart, as Jesus said in verse 21. There's another way that we can look at this. What if, what if the treasure that Jesus is talking about is, is the place of priority that he has in my life, in your life? What if he's talking about the place of priority that God has in your life? He talks about serving God and being devoted to God in verse 24. He talks about trusting God to provide for your needs. And in verse 33, he tells us to seek God above all else. The very first commandment in Exodus chapter 20 is that we should have no other gods. How many? That we should have no other gods before our God. What if we store up treasure in heaven when we place the greatest value in our lives on the Lord Jesus Christ, on our God? What if it's more about the position that we give God in our lives rather than the possessions that we own in our lives? What if it's more about God's position than it is about our possessions? If there are things in your life that you treasure more than Jesus, those things are not adding eternal value to your life. Let me say that again. If there are things in your life that you treasure more than Jesus, those things are not adding eternal value to your life. Now all of us here this morning, every single one of us, this is true about everybody, we all have a list of priorities. You might not think about it every day, but how you spend your money, uh, how you spend your time, uh, and, you know, the things that are important to you, the things that you think about you know, the things that really uh, are on your mind most often, the things that you aspire to, this is your list of priorities. And they change as we go through life. 
Your, your priorities can, can do this all over the place. For instance, at one point, education might be your top priority, right? And then, and then that might change, it might flip, and all of a sudden, a job is your top priority. Or maybe it's a relationship, or maybe it's raising kids, or maybe it's building a business, or maybe it's buying a house, or maybe it's saving for retirement, maybe it's getting a better job, and then maybe it's physical health, maybe it's a newer car, maybe it's a, a nicer car, maybe it's a bigger house, and life gets filled with stuff, and we buy houses, and we build houses for our cars, and then we fill those things with stuff, and we're busy, and we have priorities, and if you thought about it for even five minutes this morning, you could probably take Take your priorities and list them from one down to, down to whatever. You, we all have priorities, and you could make that list. There's homework for you this afternoon. You can go home and say, okay, what's really important to me? What are my priorities? And list them out. Now, let me ask all of us this morning, where does Jesus want to be on your list? Where does he need to be? My prayer is that every person in this room this morning would hear Jesus Christ would hear the Holy Spirit drawing you closer, drawing you deeper to put him first. If he is somewhere down your list, if he's somewhere after work and bills and relationships and Netflix, (laughs) if he's an afterthought, if, if Jesus is something you do, if it happens to be a I guess it's a kind of go-to-church kind of Sunday. If he's convenient for you, I pray right now, my prayer is that you will hear the voice of God drawing you closer, that the Holy Spirit of God would jar you, would, would wake you, would, would, would just bust through everything this morning because there is nothing more important than this. Jesus didn't die to be an item somewhere on your list. He wants to be and he needs to be your everything. The air that you breathe, the life that you live, Lord of all, all, above all, most high God, glorious King of kings. He doesn't want some of your time or some of your money or some of your worship. He wants you. He wants all of you, all in, every day, every decision, every minute of every day, every dollar that comes into your life. Why do we worry about how much the church wants us to give when it's all his? It all comes from God. Anyhow, the church doesn't want your money. God wants your heart. God wants your heart. In Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, tells us how closely those things are connected. Wherever your treasure is, wherever your treasure is, whatever's first, there the desires of your heart will also be. We only get one life to spend. Jesus doesn't want you to waste your life, waste your resources. Spend your time on things that aren't going to add up eternally. Some of the things we worry about in this life just don't, it's just not going to matter in eternity. Some of the things that we strive for or aim to achieve on our own or accomplish or accumulate, it's just not going to add up when we die. Your kids or your friends are already eyeing your possessions. They know exactly what's going to happen to your stuff when you're gone. 
They got it all figured out. The only thing making it, out, making it out of this world are souls. And Jesus says that whatever you do on earth that blesses others or pours out of you into the life of, of, of another, anything that you do on earth that, that helps someone else to see who Jesus is, helps someone else to, to see the hands and feet of God, Jesus says, that's gold. Jesus says, that's the way that you actually store up treasures in heaven. Jesus says, those are the things that are really precious, that are most valuable, that will be accounted to you in eternity in ways that can never rust, rot, or be devoured. One last screen. Giving, giving puts money in its place. That's when, I, when I say it's, it's not about what we want from you, it's what we want for you, because giving puts money in its place. Giving puts God in his place. He doesn't want to be somewhere down your list somewhere of priorities. He wants to be first. He needs to be first. There will be no other gods before our God. And giving puts me in my place. All yours, Lord. It's all yours. I'm not that smart. I don't work that hard. I'm not that talented. I recognize that every, every good gift that comes into my life comes from the Father of lights. It comes from heaven above. It comes from you. And you just recognize that it's all his. You'll never miss a dollar that you give to God. And if you don't master money, money will become your master. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I just pray this morning. God, this has been heavy on my heart today, and, and, and we, many of us, Lord, have just felt that your Holy Spirit, that your presence is here at Moncton Weston in a great, powerful way today. And Lord, I believe, I believe that you just want to blow into people's lives and that you just want to show them like never before who you are. And God, I pray for every person here, each one of us today, that you would help us to, to go to, to new depths in our relationship with you, to trust God like never before. And Lord, there might be places, and there might be things in our lives that we have been putting ahead of you. And, and I ask, Lord, that you, would, that you would convict our hearts of those things, that the light of your, your presence would shine in and, and you would reveal those things to us. And that God, together as a church this morning, we would surrender and we would repent and we would leave here this morning saying, Jesus, be Lord of all in my life. Be first and I will have no other gods before you. Lord, for anyone here this morning that the whole money thing has been an issue, maybe they're watching this online, and that's been an issue for them. God, I just pray that you would help them to, to hear you and see you clearer than ever before, that, that you want their heart. So Lord, be with us now as we respond to your word. We're not responding to a pastor or a preacher or, or a song. We're responding to your word, to your truth this morning. Be with us as a church. As we worship you now,
pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well.